0: This has been a long, difficult road. But aren't all long roads going to be a little tough? I would say I don't need to tell you this, but then we know I'm going to. I have finished so many of these episodes for episode 50, and they were failures. They weren't right. They weren't ready. Or circumstances got in the way. And when have we heard this before? Many times. But here it is coming at you. Episode 50 of Psychotherapy with Jet Dunlap, because I didn't stop. It sounds like I'm patting myself on the back. I can't do that. My arms and back are too strong. (laughs) I did just go to the gym, but I could still pat myself on the back if I wanted to. I just thought I'd throw a little humble brag in there to bother my friends who say I do that too often. That's not humble bragging. That's just bragging. So was it difficult to get to this episode? Absolutely. Is this episode there? Sure, I mean, you're going to hear the episode, so that's pretty obvious. What is this episode about, Dr. Dunlap? Doctor as in, you know, I'm not one. However, my initials are M D. That's Mark Dunlap, so if you want to call me JetMD, I won't stop you. Boy, I'm full of myself today, aren't I? Episode 50 is about the process that took me here and that's not all because if it was that you guys would just hang up and listen to something else how would you hang up this isn't a phone It's also about me breaking the enormous habits in my life of being miserable and the same habits that brought me to having this episode be so difficult because why is it every 10 episodes that's the most difficult because I'm programming myself to have them be the most difficult and I'm breaking that cycle And I've done some reading on the subject. I've done a lot of reading on the subject. And I touch very briefly into my investigation into quantum physics and how that affects our relationship of mind and body consciousness. At the end, I'll say this again, but thank you so much to you loyal listeners who, without you, I would not have this. I've tried things like this before, but this is the most successful, and it is the most successful because you are listening. And because this is truly coming from a place of care. This started from someone talking to me about something I was uncomfortable about, which was my addiction and my depression. But a couple people reached out to me in that first interview, and it affected them. And that is why this show exists. And now I've heard it affect other people, and that is unbelievably rewarding. And so I am committed to continue to help you Thank you for helping me, and I look forward to the next 50 episodes. However, before that, this is episode 50 of Psychotherapy. Thank you so much for listening. So it's been a long road to get here because... Uh, well, what ends up happening to me in the round numbers, the round numbers, is that I get a little bit of that anticipation, and then I get a little bit of a buildup, and then, <laughs> sounds like a, a clinical issue. But what happens is, is that, this happened in 20, 30, 40, and now 50, is that I start to decide that what people deserve, or what my audience deserves is far Bigger than what I had recorded thus far. And then what happens is the circumstances, for whatever reason, and I could make many guesses, and I bet you could guess what these guesses would be, but it seems that something out of my control is also assisting in that prolonged period of not indecision, because I did record, I think, somewhere on par of about five episodes that just didn't work for me. And then i came back to the machine and i tried to do some with gina but then the uh second mic situation wasn't working so that was problematic and it seems that you know again it was me and then it wasn't me and then it was me again and then it was something i recorded and it didn't work and then i got a job or you remember last time with the fires and it just ended up mounting and mounting and something gets put off here's the good news though this process so often ends up derailing someone permanently. So whatever it is in your life, and I wanted to say if it's the gym, (laughs) but I'm sure you're tired of me making those kind of points. But whatever it is in your life, it ends up derailing you and then you never end up doing it because something got in the way. And I used to think it's a test. It's all a test. Everything's a test. Every negative situation that went on in my life that I was probably projecting through my bad thought became on purpose. And when you were raised Catholic the way I was, you would talk about offering it up to God or they constantly reminded you that anything that went bad in your life was a test. And I guess if you like being tested or if you consider yourself someone who is able to work well with bad circumstances like myself, you end up bringing more of that to you. And that's something I've been working with and working on, especially... For the last couple of months. And that is how much of my neutral position in my life is projecting circumstances to be more difficult so that I can flex that muscle that I have, which is resilience under adversity. I think that, no, I don't think this. I know this because I've seen it too often and I've read plenty to know we do end up creating the cycles we live in. Not 100% of the time. And sometimes it's easier to look at that fact and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's very inconvenient to say, well, these things that are happening in my life are due to the way I'm picturing life and the way I feel about life. And those are very different. And this is definitely something I've been meditating on, is that feeling and thinking are very different. Between episodes 49 and 50, this has become something that I've been really focusing my energy on, which is the difference between feeling and thinking. If I look back at my life, I look at how positive I was mentally about the situation. I am going to get this gig. This job is going to turn into my dream job. This project is X, Y, Z. However, when I'm thinking that way, I'm almost always bracing for something to go wrong, or hope for the best and prepare for the worst. But that is one foot in one place and one foot in the other. And when I really analyzed what goes right and what doesn't in my life, it was that there's always that residual feeling of, well, Jet, you know the truth. You know what's really going to happen. If you start letting your guard down, if you start becoming soft, if you start becoming weak, and listen to the emphasis on that. That's really how I feel. If you start becoming weak, then you won't be able to handle what it is you uniquely are able to handle like none of your other lucky friends. You can take all the hits. You can lose your mind, battle addiction, lose friends, be disappointed by everything that was supposed to come true in your life, and still keep going. My brain thinks that. My body says, well, that's definitely who we are. Let's throw some adversity on because that is our existence. That is our purpose. So, whether I seek it out or whether it is manifested, this is who I end up being. And that's not fantastic. When I saw something like The Secret, I thought, well, this is kind of nonsense because I do think positively. But it wasn't until I started looking into quantum physics and other stuff like that that I really will go into in the next 50 episodes. But it's definitely not something I want to tackle right now. But once I started looking into that, what I realized was my manifestation was coming and being blocked by the counter feelings. Or the counter maneuvers of both of these devices, one being thinking and one being feeling. So body and mind were clashing. So when I thought something was gonna go well, I didn't feel like it was gonna go well. And if I felt like something was going to go well, I didn't think it was gonna go well. And that looks like this. I go into a situation like an audition and I go, I'm gonna do well at this. You know, I've done all the work, I'm gonna make it happen. It's it's gonna be perfect. I'm fine. I go in there with a feeling of dread. Now my brain is telling me to tell my feelings that I'm okay, but my feelings are a counter with that. And then I'll have another situation where I'll go into something and I have a lot of caffeine in me, I've just worked out, and I'm like, I feel like this is going to rock. But in the back of my head, and not so far back that I don't acknowledge it, I say, no, you're not. Get real, dude. Look at the evidence of the last 20 years. And when I think and feel, I'm looking at the past to determine my future, aren't I? So I go, look at the last 20 years, dude. If you were going to be successful, you would have. And then what do I get? More of what my mind and body expect. And, you know, what is this, Jet? What is this episode all about? I really have to look at all the circumstances that I've talked to you about in the last 50 episodes that haven't been perfect. Now, you've been here and there's been a lot of incredible circumstances. Meeting Oscar winners that couldn't have happened through any other means other than a twist of fate if you want to call it that, God, I value what you believe, but it doesn't matter because the sentiment is the same. So whatever it is, the circumstances that have gone right in my life, I can point to this mind and body connection. The circumstances that have gone wrong in my life all the way back, and this was a real epiphany for me, was when my mind and body conflicted. And that's feeling and thought to clear that up again. Because it's, I don't think, when I think of body, sometimes I'm like, there's a mind inside of my chest. You can look into that, like gut consciousness and all that stuff, but I'm talking about mind and body. And it opened my eyes because even in the circumstances where I'm like, this is going to be miserable, it is, or it's going to be great, but I didn't think it or feel it. When that conflict occurs, something goes wrong. And sometimes it's just that I'm completely uncomfortable with a circumstance that I wanted. Here's another thing that happens to me. And I'm talking a lot about me today because I want it to be specific. I'll want something. So I'll be like, you know what? I could use some extra money. And this isn't something that happens often, but when it does, this is what happens. Like, I could use some extra money. I get a gig that pays me the kind of money I want, and I go, ugh, this job? But I didn't ask, and I didn't feel what and where I wanted the money from. So another example that would be easier for you guys to digest is, especially my longtime listeners, when I say you guys, I'm talking about them. Remember when I went out and said that I was going to meet and work with Rami Malek? And then in like a week and a half, the first gig I got, I'm working with Rami Malek. What was I doing? I was a featured background actor for six or seven days on a movie where I had no speaking lines. And yes, I met him. And yes, I worked with him. But was I starring alongside him? Was I directing him? Was this the kind of working with him I wanted? no but is it the kind of working with i asked for yes isn't that interesting and that's a pretty powerful one so the reason i use that example even for the people who've heard it before is that come on how many times do you say i wish i could work with that oscar winning actor and it happens so here i am this guy who's saying these things never happen for me but that's a pretty big example and i've had a dozen of those since now i'm not going to say that sometimes circumstances don't occur even in the absence of the mind, body, consciousness. So the other day, when I bombed on stage, that seemed to be out of my purview. But now that I speak it out loud, which I've recommended you guys do before, I knew at some point I wanted to bomb because I didn't want that to be foreign to me when I'm in front of a large room. So even that was something that I must've felt like I wanted, even though I didn't think like I wanted it. But it ended up being the best thing for me. And if you listen to that episode, which is the episode before this, I had no problem with it. It was fine. So that was something I wanted. Now here's where the rubber really meets the road for me on this. And I think it's going to relate to a lot of the people who listen to this show who are like me. When I am mad, when I am depressed, I am like a duck to water or water off a duck's back. Not a duck to water because ducks are good with water. Water off a duck's back because that rolls off. Water off a duck's back when it comes to me trying to feel good when I'm mad and here's why my body is so accustomed to the homeostasis state homeostasis meaning the neutral state of my existence it is so accustomed to a state of being mad that when I try and alter that like a savage dog it attacks me and says no you idiot because I send those probes down from my brain. And I'm sure you have too. When you're, if you're a person who's prone to anger, I send those probes down in my brain. and I go, stop being mad, Jet. This is ridiculous. And my body goes, hell with you. This is who we are. This is what we do. And here's the problem with that. I have had that state for so long that my body derives pleasure from it. Now, that's a tough one. It was tough for me at first, and maybe you're more advanced than I am. But when I heard that, I thought, pleasure? No way, man. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be depressed. But do I really not want to be? When I'm angry, I feel like myself. And when I get angry, I feel powerful. And what are my deepest secrets? that only you guys and my therapist would ever know, because of my upbringing where I felt physically weaker than the people who are abusive in my life, anger makes me feel powerful, and therefore I feel good. So I am actually spiking this like internal heroin every time that I get angry, every time that I get sad. So should I expect... When I fight that feeling, when I fight that feeling, I don't even think that's the right song. But when I fight that feeling, should I expect it to be an easy thing to do? Or should I know that if I'm fighting a feeling that has taken 30 years of development, that when I fight it, I should realize it's going to be baby steps. Here's how I've done it. And here's what I'm proud of. When I feel that rage boiling up, And I'll give you an example in a minute. When I feel that rage boiling up, I send those probes down and go, Jet, calm down. But then, like I was saying, my body says, no, this is you. How can it, how can you change what is you? This is who you are. Trust us. This is the body saying, trust us, mind. We know what's up. We've been doing this a lot longer than you and 24-7, 365. But here's where I'm developed. I know to walk. I had an episode that said, like, run around the block or something like that, because my mom used to say that when I was a kid. I wasn't ready to listen to it when I was a teenager, but I get moving, I get away, I go do something else, I exert that. And sometimes it's just running or working out that will keep me from having that level of testosterone that will spike in my day. But the other thing I do is that I immediately, and I mean, this is as much of my homeostasis as the actual act of having that stimulus of anger is I apologize and anyone and everyone that had affected my anger, I go immediately and say, I'm sorry that happened. And, and you know what happened is that all I've done is shrink the distance between that stimulus and response. So I have the stimuli, I react to it, it may be inappropriate. Then I quickly reel it in and say, hold on, that's not who I am. I apologize for that. That was all on me. I don't try and put it on someone else. And then so eventually it starts to get, you know, countered more quickly. But here's what happens (laughs) when I really lose it. So the other day, we're at home. We're about to go to bed. And it's been a pretty long week. I've been working and, you know, it's my life, guys. There's something that's going wrong, something that's going right. Typical stuff, right? So Gina flushes the toilet, I know. We have a toilet. Can you believe it? Weird. And it doesn't stop. It keeps running and it keeps running. It's one of those jet toilets, <laughs> not, not signature jet dub series toilet. I haven't started that yet, but that seems like a, that'd be a real rogue move in my life's trajectory to start making signature brand toilets. So it's not a jet signature brand toilet, but the stream of the toilet is jet injected. Okay. So water jets, not jet propulsion. That would be awesome too, but painful if you had to use the restroom. Anyway, I'm done with that. I digress. The toilet doesn't stop flushing. I try a hundred different things. It doesn't stop flushing. doesn't stop flushing. Now I have to go over and turn off the water to the entire house. So the toilet's not going to work for the next day. Take the toilet off the next day, start working on it. And this ends up (laughs) the kind of stuff I try doing to it. I end up hurting myself because I'm trying to wrench this handle off. It doesn't end up working out. But the night that this happens, I go back. I don't need to go into the details of the toilet repair. Let me get back to where the anger hit, you dodo bird. I got so mad, I started yelling at Gina because she was the last one who used it and I'm mad at the fact that the toilet broke at night and that I know I'm the person who's going to have to repair it and I know it's going to be a pain in the neck because I've done this before. So I'm mad at the circumstance, but instead I took it out on Gina and I'm yelling at her. Now, again, I don't like to put prefaces in here because I think my long-term audiences know who I am and how much I love my wife but this was not violent guys. This wasn't brutal. I was just yelling and cussing like a jerk because I was angry that the toilet didn't work. And that's a rhyme all the time. So I was doing all that. And then I realized, boy, Jet, you're being a real jerk ass jerk. And so when I laid down after the, you know, water was turned off and now we have no water until I can figure it out. And then, like I said, it ended up being more of a deal than we thought it was going to be. We still don't have a toilet. We're not going to have a toilet for three days, so we're having to use the uh, shop bathroom, which is a little ways away. So annoying. I mean, I I was justified in the fact that I was bothered. Where I was unjustified was who I directed the anger at. I took the anger out on the toilet the next day, and that sounds dirty, but what I mean is I ended up beating the living hell out of it after I already knew it was broken, so it wasn't like I just lost my temper and then ruined something that was expensive. This thing had been having problems for a long time. But I apologized to Gina, and I made up for it. And (laughs) does that sound like I dressed myself up in a bow and was like, oh, Gina, look at me. You get a little jetty time now. That's not how I made up for it. How I made up for it was by being just helpful. Things that normally would be things she does, I took care of. This was a small instance. This was a little deal. But if I hadn't been working on all those disciplines over the last 20 years, I wouldn't be the person who reacts that way. I would have enjoyed sitting on the fact that I had justified anger because she felt guilty because she was the last person to use it. And I could have been like, I win. I got my anger daggers in you and I took you down for the kill. And that used to be who I was. And I'm not anymore. So what do I need to do? And what do we need to do, my good friends? What do we need to do? Well, what we need to do is realize that even if you were that person forever, it is time to say hasta la vista to the old you. And will that happen overnight? No, it's like weight loss, and I hate comparing it to weight loss, but like I've said before, everyone can relate to that. I've been eating a little too much lately, but I've been working out. There's my excuse. Pretty hard. I'd love to show you pictures of me shirtless, but you would have to just Google that and it would take you 10 seconds. Anyway, some of them are really heavy pictures. Um, I definitely digress again. That's two digression points. My point is it's not going to be easy to change the you you are. But if you are ready to break that cycle of wake up on the same side of the bed you've slept on forever, grab your phone right when you wake up and look at the news like you do every day unplug your phone make your way over to the restroom go from the restroom to the kitchen flip on the coffee maker pour that cup of coffee pour the same stuff into that coffee you've been pouring into that coffee for 20 30 40 years then you eat the same brand of cereal you've been eating every day you get in the same car take the same route go to the same job have the same conversations with the same people had the same problems with the same people you've had with them the whole time you've been working there. Get back in your car. Either go to the gym, go somewhere else, or go home on the same route you've taken forever. Watch TV with your significant other. Go back to bed on the same side and hope for the weekend, which is going to be more of the same. Your body knows that as a neutral position and knows it as much as it knows to breathe and to have its heart beat without you thinking about it. And in order for you to break that cycle, you have to do things to break it. And one of the first things is acknowledge it's happening. And I want you to know that even with a wild card ADD fool like me, this is and has not been simple, but I've been doing it and I've seen the change and it hasn't been incredible. You know, the other day on set, instead of just shooting the shoot, (laughs) shooting the shoot so I didn't have to say the bad word, shooting the shoot with all the people on stage, in between the scenes where I was on camera, I started writing a new script. And it's coming along. I've been doing things like that. Every time I've had an idea for a joke or a storyline, I have written it in my book or my notes on my computer for years. This is just another one of those habits. Today, after I record this podcast, I'm going to go right for an hour. Why? Because I'm going to do it. But start your New Year's resolution today so that by the time it hits, you are resolved on that and you have the momentum going with you. When people start to ask you about your New Year's resolution, you say, listen, Debbie, Debbie with the bad hair. That's a reference to Beyonce, but a little different. You say, listen, Debbie, I'm already on my new year's resolution and it rocks. So January 1st, I'm just gonna be coasting. I've already got it. So that pressure of that day that's arbitrary. And like I said, it is a magical thing if you make a new year's resolution on January 1st because then when everyone else quits, it gives you permission to quit because then you get to agree with them and you get the adrenaline spike and the dopamine hit by saying, well, it wasn't gonna happen for us, ha ha ha. And then if you're clever like me, you have really clever reasons why not to. Cleverness can be the enemy of these kind of moves. For instance, I love sarcasm. My sardonic wit comes from... Sardonic wit. I was just obsessed with the fact that I said that word right. (laughs) I so seldomly say things correctly. Okay, so my sardonic wit (laughs) comes from my ability to turn bad situations into good. And so what I think is, on a subconscious level, that obviously at some point I really realized consciously, because if it wasn't conscious, you'd be hearing this from my subconscious, and that sounds like this. Um, I like negative circumstances and things to go wrong because that gives me more material. And I am appreciated by people, by some of the stories that I tell that are horrific. But can I still be funny? Do I still have enough stories? Will circumstances just happen without me trying to manipulate them with my subconscious? Yes. Do I have to be a little more sincere? Yeah. Should I not always go for the funny, painful thing? And maybe sometimes I should go for the smart thing? Like it's not as funny to have a successful career in film and television. It's not as funny to live in a mansion and drive your dream car. It's not as funny to be with the person of your dreams. I already have that. When I talk about Gina, I'm sure most of you guys have a barf bag that says when Jet talks about Gina on the show, put barf in here. You know what a barf bag is. I'm going to explain it to you. But you have that because you're tired of me talking about how perfect my wife is. But I have that. And it's not funny, but it's okay. Not everything needs to be funny. I'm still going to do stupid, funny things. So I need to be more sincere with myself. This writing thing is not going to be a laugh a minute, but it's something I need to do. If I want to go to where I want to go, and I don't want to just chase my tail for the next 20 years. So if I can do it, you can do it. And why do I say that? Because there's nothing different between me and you. We got bones. We got the skin. We got the hair. Well, some of us. Some of us don't have hair. Why was the third thing I said hair? Who knows? But because we share all these similarities, if I can do it, you can do it. And if you can do it, I can do it, which is more important for me right now because when I say that to you, I think I have to step on my ego a little bit and say, no, if you can do it, I can do it. Because many of the people who are listening right now, you're far superior to me in so many ways. If you have that dream house, if you're standing right now on the balcony of your place out in Malibu and you're looking at your infinity pool and uh, you're driving a certified used infinity because you're also sensible. The property makes sense, but why spend all your money on a vehicle? But you're standing there right now and you're nodding head. (laughs) Oh my God. Nodding your head. And the only reason you listen to this show is because you like to hear how good you have it and listening to the drowning bird Jet Dunlap that... No one has ever described as a drowning bird. Listening to him makes you realize how good your life is, knowing that he's broadcasting from a cold basement, living in a house on wheels, and you've accomplished everything. So in that case, if you can do it, I can do it. And the things I said today are more specific. And here's another piece of magic, is that in the four episodes I recorded before this that really bummed me out, one time, Jean and I are down here again. Isn't it funny how these painful things like to repeat themselves? And we're trying to get the audio working with the two USB microphones that I have bought. And it didn't happen for an hour. I was so mad. Turns out you can't use two USB microphones, even though I bought three, not knowing that. And then I was really mad because I'm like, why was I that stupid? But I had read different stuff. But I was so mad. I looked at Jean and I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. It's causing more pain in my life than pleasure. It's doing more damage for me than it is good. I was so mad. We're leaving the shop. She's going over the house. And I want to break something, you know? And I don't, which is good, but I wanted to. And I go back downstairs after Gina leaves, and I go, you can't have that attitude yet. That's not what you'd preach to the people who listen. So I went back down and tried to record a session, and I failed at that. So after being angry, after a fourth attempt, after genuinely wanting to have Gina on so that she could help me prompt some things out of me that I thought I couldn't do on my own, I failed. Then I went down again having the right attitude and I failed again. So when I went up, I was even more angry and I had no idea when I would be able to record this again. And now it's here. So the things I've had to do to be the person to come to the conclusion that I needed to investigate more of the mind-body relationship was through these circumstances. And if I don't put definition to them, because they're in the past, so who cares, if I don't call them bad, they've made positive changes in my life. And maybe that's the thing you get out of this, is that those things you deemed as bad, they turn into something good. And maybe you get out of this one the fact that that routine that matrix-like loop that you've been stuck in forever that's been preventing you from the light that you contain inside of you. Gina's not going to like that line because that's definitely a little too personal development-y. Let's make it a little more modest. That nudge. Nudge isn't a word, yet. That What's a nudge? That feeling you have inside of you that you want to turn into a tangible thing whether it's something you want to create. I mean, what what else could it be? It's something you want to create or be or no. You didn't even realize you were in that loop until I said it and now you do. Go out there or you know what? She's real this is going to go real cheesy personal developmenty, but I can't help it. Don't go out there. Go in there. Go inside and tell yourself, "Hey, If someone else can do it, I can do it. And it's not going to be funny. It's not going to be cute. It's also going to violate the groups that I hang out in. And we're not just going to be able to say, poor me and be miserable, but I'm ready to be what it is I'm supposed to be. And that starts now. You have made this possible for me. I had so many shows. And if you listen to this, you know about them but the most recent one was called The Jet Dunlap Show. This is a podcast I started like four years ago and it got up to episode three. And that's as far as about most people go. So when I jumpstarted this again, I'm like, well, you failed before, but here I am at episode 50. And that means something to me. It means that I could stick with something. I have 10 to 20 episodes. And I say that because I really don't know the number, but it's probably closer to 20 full edited episodes that I never aired because I hated them. And every time one of those didn't go up, I was miserable. But I didn't let it stop me. Because I knew I could do it again because I've done it before. So let that be an example to you. 50 episodes, that's nothing to mess around with since only the end of June. And I take pride in that. And there's nothing funny about that. My instinct is to try and be funny, but that's just the way it is. So thank you for letting me have those 50 episodes that is your gift to me. I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you for listening. I'm Jet Dunlap. I'm out of words. Have an incredible whatever amount of time it is before you listen to the next episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.